Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. In the previous program, I was talking about the devil as he was exposed in Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 15. I will read it again in order to begin this program. In Isaiah chapter 14, beginning in verse 12, it says, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning! How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations! For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. In Isaiah chapter 14, in verse 14, he says that he wants to be like the Most High. And this is where I was at at the end of the previous program that the devil wanted to be like the Most High. And this is easy for people to miss. Because in most cases, people take the position that the devil is trying to be someone who is nothing like God at all, who is the complete anti-God, who says that good is evil and evil is good, that that really is what he is about. Now, I will say that... He certainly is the God of those who will say that evil is good and good is evil. I don't have a problem saying that. And I don't have a problem with saying that certainly there are many circumstances where he is participating in things that God is definitely opposed to. I have no problem with that at all. I have witnessed it myself. But I want to say it this way. I want to say this in the sense that he is an equal opportunity God that he is a universal God, that he wants to be the God of anyone who will consider him to be a God. And if it means that he has to give up or compromise that which is good to some extent in order to appeal to someone, I believe that there is enough evidence to show that he does that. But that is not the majority. The majority of the people who worship him, the majority of the demons who follow him, from what I can tell, are those people who are pursuing that which is good, not that which is evil. That The people who are pursuing that which is evil serve him by default. That's true, but it's my belief that the real activity, let me say it that way, that the real activity, because we could get into an argument about the majority of behavior, but the resulting activity that I believe he has the greatest interest in is the revelation of perfection in the sense of the revelation of that which is good that he is the initiator of. When he says he wants to be like God, he doesn't say, I want to be someone who is not like God at all. 
He says he wants to be like God. And so I want you to really think about this. It's important to think about this, because if you don't see this, I don't think you're going to have an appreciation for his involvement with the law or his involvement with how he uses the law in order to take you away from the Lord, the living God, so that he can have you for himself and so that you can also find yourself serving him when you believe that you're not, but you really are. In the previous program, I was talking about the existence of the devil, and this is another hint of that, that there seems to be few opportunities for us to have evidence to show that there is a devil. In some ways, I can't help but think that that this might be a way that he is trying to be like God, that he won't reveal himself very often, and that other demons will not reveal themselves very often, because the living God doesn't. The living God does not provide us with a lot of revelation concerning himself, at least not all at one time. And so if the devil wants to be like him, then we should expect that we would be as uncertain of his existence as we would be uncertain about God's existence. I wanted to mention that as something to add to the previous program, but I couldn't really add that until after I read Isaiah chapter 14, where he says that he wants to be like the Most High, and that this could be an example of that. So I had to place that here in this program. So how would he be like the Most High? I mean, I mean, how would he really do that? And what would that really represent? In what way would he be satisfied? What would be the goals that he would need to strive for? How would we know if he succeeded in this attempt to be like God? How would we know when he was successful or when he accomplished this to his own personal satisfaction? Obviously, he had something in mind. What was he thinking? Well, I don't have enough information to tell you absolutely. I can only tell you a few things that I believe are important in order to consider this kind of a question, to know, is he being successful? Is he not successful? How would we know? There are a few things that I can point out. Now, in this program, what I would like to spend time with is the subject of the image of God, the subject of the image of God. But What I would really want to encourage you to do is listen to the program that I produced titled The Image of God before listening to this, because I'm not going to be able to tell you everything that I said in that program. And so if it's possible, if you're listening to this not on live radio, if you're listening to this through the Internet, why don't you put this one on pause and go listen to the program that I produced on The Image of God first and then unpause where we are at here and start from this point, and I believe you would get the most benefit out of this presentation about the activities of the devil. I can summarize for just a moment there, assuming that you've just done that and you've listened to that, you're back now. To summarize the subject of the image of God, God created man, created mankind to be in his image, to be his image. Now, the word that he chose to use in Genesis in order to describe creating us in his image was a word that was exclusively used to describe the reflection that you would get off of a mirror or a body of water. In other words, the image is a reflection, not the actual thing. It is a reflection of that thing. And so a better translation of the Lord creating us in his image would be to say that he created us to be a reflection of him. What this means is is that if a person looked at Adam, if they looked at Adam, they would see a reflection of God. 
Now, when you look at the mirror, a mirror in your house or somewhere else, when you look at the mirror, do you look at that mirror and say, wow, what a good-looking mirror? No, you don't normally say that. You normally refer to whatever it is that you see as a reflection off of that mirror. It's unusual for a person to look at a mirror and look at the mirror for the purpose of looking at the mirror. They're normally wanting to see what the mirror is reflecting. That is what that meant. It meant that God created us in a way that we would be a reflection of him, which means that we would receive something from him and that would be portrayed within and through us. Because he created us in a way that he would dwell within us, we would receive him. We would receive him in the sense of his character, his attributes. We would be the benefit of his presence within us. For example, we would receive his love for us. That is something that we would receive. We would receive his acceptance for us. Obviously, he accepts us if he's going to be there. We would receive understanding from him. And as we lived our lives, our lives would be a reflection of what our convictions were deep down inside. What we believe. If we believe that we are accepted by God, then we will live our lives according to that truth. And our lives will be a reflection of us being at peace because of the acceptance that we have of our God. Therefore, people would be able to see a revelation of our God as he would reflect himself off of us, they would see that there is a God of acceptance. That's what he describes when he created mankind to begin with, that we would be the recipients of his presence, of his being, that there would be a mutual relationship between the two of us. Considering that we were created in a physical way, it is my belief that the reflection would be manifested in the sense that the invisible God would be manifested in a physical, visible, audible way, so that he would use our eyes to see with, our mouths to speak with, our hands to touch with, our feet to walk with, that he would be able to live within and through us, in addition to him portraying and reflecting himself in such a way that the invisible could be manifested visibly. There would be an element of worship involved there, in the sense that Adam and Eve certainly worshipped their God. They depended on their God. They trusted their God. They enjoyed their God. They looked to him as God. There was an element of worship that was expressed there in that way as they made themselves available for him to make use of and to experience. They were also allowed to be participants in the world that he created. They weren't just robots who were overtaken by the Spirit of God. They were participants in the work that he was doing. I did a program, for example, on the joy of Adam, where I talked about how we can see the participation of Adam in the creation of God. For example, God created the animals. Adam couldn't create the animals, but Adam could name the animals, and so God allowed him to name the animals. God did what he could do. Adam did what he could do. And together they experienced something. They were a participant in the creation of God. So those are the things that I want to point out when it comes to this subject of the image of God so that I can tell you about the temptation of the devil. That's where I want to go with this in this program is to explain that I believe that this is one of the probable reasons or motivators as to what would encourage or drive Lucifer to decide to rebel and try to be like God. Because we 
became an opportunity for the devil. We became an opportunity for him. Looking at the verses that I read in the previous program, Isaiah chapter 14, Ezekiel chapter 28, there seems to be an indication that the earth was created before the devil, before Lucifer, decided to rebel against the Lord. Which means to me that the creation of the earth, or something to do with the creation of the earth, was probably part of the temptation. And so if I had to pick something, this is what I would pick. I would pick the creation of humanity when Adam and Eve were created. Because who shows up in chapter 3, in Genesis chapter 3? The devil shows up in Genesis chapter 3. He shows up right away there, doesn't he? What happened in chapter 1 and in chapter 2? Where was he? Did he rebel already? No. The indication that I see is that he rebelled in Genesis chapter 3, and it was at that time that the Lord recognized the devil for who he was. He cursed the serpent. He had some things to say. If the devil had already rebelled before this event, don't you suppose that he would have warned Adam and Eve about him to begin with? He could have said, oh, and by the way, if you see the devil around, let me tell you about this guy. This guy is a total fraud. You know, he could have said something like that, but that's not how things worked out. So these are the subtle things that I refer to that gives me this impression. So if I make the assumption that this is what's going on, that we were a temptation for the devil How were we a temptation for the devil? Well, if the devil is a spiritual being, then he could probably have a relationship with us that would be similar to the relationship that our God had with Adam and Eve. He could potentially have a relationship that would be similar. Now, look at the parallels here. The living God had a close relationship with Lucifer, And Lucifer decided that perfection and great beauty was not adequate. He wanted more. So now God has this relationship with Adam and Eve. He goes to them and says, hey, listen, there can be more. There can be more. You don't have to be satisfied with how beautiful you are and with how perfect you are. There can be more. The same message is found there. In addition to that, now he can have a relationship with Adam and Eve mutually speaking, but this relationship is based on the encouragement that there could be more. He could stay with them, not to be some stagnant, static thing like God was to them, that there would be no greater thing than what they had, but instead he can talk with them, relate with them, and experience life with them with the promise and the hope that there could be something greater than what they have. So if he is a spiritual being, perhaps he might be able to have a similar relationship with Adam and Eve as God had with them. But there was something more to that, and that was that Adam could then reflect himself within and through Adam and Eve, so that perhaps the invisible devil could be manifested in a physical, visible, audible way, such that he could use their eyes to see with and their mouths to speak with and their hands to touch with and their feet to walk with. We were a temptation for the devil. He responded to that temptation by engaging in the activity that he engaged in, which was sin. We were the temptation for the devil to sin. He showed up in the garden and he sinned. Now, I believe that he also discovered the fact that we were created in a unique way, in a way 
that only God can dwell within our spirit. This is a way that only he can dwell within us. The devil could not dwell within our spirit, not in the same way that God could. This is a conviction that I have based on my knowledge of my God and my knowledge of the devil, that there is an exclusive part within us. When he created humanity, he created us in an exclusive way, in the sense that he would not allow anyone or anything of any kind to fulfill us in a way that we would be complete. We would always feel incomplete. We would always feel empty without his presence. I believe that Satan discovered this after the fall of humanity. This is just my opinion. I have nothing to base that on at all. It's just an opinion. I believe that he discovered that afterwards. I don't think he would have done this if he knew that he would not be able to fill the space, however that would be described spiritually. I don't think he would have done this if he knew that he could not fill the space that God had reserved for himself. That's just my opinion, though. I'm just putting that out there, and I'm letting you know that thus saith I, not the Lord. Regardless of that, though, what I do know is is that the devil could not dwell within people in the same way that God can. And because of that, because he could not use us, he could not function with us, because of that, we were not able to live, and he was not able to live within us in a perfect way. This was not going to be accomplished. And again, I'm not sure that he knew this in advance. I personally believe that he found this out later. What did he do, though? What he did was, was that he tempted Eve, who subsequently tempted Adam. The devil tempted Adam through Eve. The temptation was, was that they could be like God. The same temptation that he had previously when he said he wanted to be like the Most High. He tempts them with the same thing, the same satanic lie, that they can be like God. He explains to them that they can be like God if they only know what is good and evil, that the Lord lied to them. The living God did not tell them the truth. The living God told them that if they ate from the wrong tree, they would die. And the devil said, nope, he lied to you, you won't. He lied to you. He didn't tell you the truth. Believe me, don't believe God. Now, as soon as they believed the devil, they worshipped the devil. At that point, he experienced fulfillment to the temptation that he had experienced. He experienced fulfillment in the sense he was tempted because there were these people in this garden who might believe him as they believed God. And if they believe him like they believed God, then they would worship him as they worship their God. What is the fundamental connection between us and our God through the Lord Jesus Christ? The fundamental connection is our belief that we are to believe him, to believe in him, to trust in, to rely on, and to have faith in him. That is the relationship that we have with him, and when we do that, we are worshiping our God. So also a person can worship the devil when they believe him, when they trust in him, when they rely on him, when they have faith in him. How did he do this? He did this by telling them a lie that he might very well believe himself, 
but it wasn't true, but he believed it. Obviously, he believed that he could be like God himself, so it's possible that he didn't think that he was lying. It's possible, but it still is a lie. doesn't matter. He spoke to Adam and Eve in this way. They chose to believe in the devil, but he could not dwell within them. He could not dwell within them in the same way God could. Now, what happened was, was that they experienced the penalty that God gave. He gave the law. He said that in the day that you eat from the wrong tree, in that day you will surely die. They died, which meant that the Spirit of God left them. That's what I explained in a previous program about the gospel. He left them. They no longer had the presence of the Spirit of God within them. Right now, they are going to be a reflection of what it is like not to have God. They're no longer in the image of God. They are now a image or a reflection of what it's like not to have God. A reflection of deep emptiness. So the devil killed them. He killed them using the law. He used the law to kill them. Kill them in the sense that he took life from them, or they lost life, or they voluntarily gave it up, depending upon how you want to perceive this. They no longer had life within them by definition. The absence of life is death. He killed them. He stole them from the living God in this way. He stole them. First he kills them, then he steals them, but then he finds out that he can't dwell within them. He can't live within them. Now, from a demonic possession point of view, obviously a demon can be within a person to some extent, certainly. We have evidence to show that a demon can dwell within a person. We would call that possession. He can influence their physiology in various ways. I gave you an example in the previous program with regards to a friend of mine's leg. That definitely was a physical intervention of some kind a physical influence, they certainly can dwell within a person to some extent. But I don't believe that they can dwell in that special, exclusive space within our spirit that is reserved only for the Creator Himself, that no one will ever have access there. No one will ever fit in there. No spirit. And I believe that the devil discovered this afterwards, in which case he could only use us in a limited way If I had to describe it, I would say dwelling within our flesh, not within our spirit. He could only have access and use us in a limited way, which means that he would then be using us in a way that was contrary to the way that God created us. And when you use something that is contrary to the way that it was originally created or intended, you will eventually destroy it. So he killed us, he stole us, and then he ends up destroying us by default. Now, between the time that he kills and steals and then destroys, between the time of stealing and destroying, he certainly can do a lot and reflect himself in a limited way. But this is what he should see. What he should see, if no one's told him this, I'll say this, He should see that this is evidence to show that he cannot be like God. This is proof that he should concede that he can't be like God. And the fact that he destroys people should be evidence to encourage him to get over this. You know, to stop. Just get over it. Give up. 
and concede. Now, I don't think he's going to do that, but that's his problem, not mine. All I'm going to do is just simply proclaim that I believe that he should see the evidence that shows that because he destroys people, because he uses them in a way that they were not intended to be used, he should concede to that and recognize that and give up on that. So when it says in the scriptures that the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, I believe that that is what is referred to, that that is what that means when we look at him as someone who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. First he killed, then he stole, and then later on he destroyed as he was trying to reveal himself and manifest himself so that we would be a reflection of the devil. We would live as an image of the devil. And of course people have. We have history of that in a sense. But this sense, but this revelation, this expression should show that we are proof that the devil cannot be like God. Now, if you do not recognize the gospel, if you do not recognize your condition and his provision, then you will continue to be a tool of the devil. They're still using people. They're still living within and through people in this abstract way. They are still reflecting themselves within and through us. We participate with them through our choices, through our decisions, and through their choices and decisions. We are functioning and living as an image of the devil, in addition to being in the image of what it's like not to have God dwelling within us. This is one of the reasons why we need to be saved, why we need to be born again. We need to be created again. We need to be made into a new creation because the condition that we are in now is to live in a way that is completely different from what God intended. What do we have? How do we live? How are we now going to live our daily lives? The only thing that we have at our disposal before we know our God is the knowledge of good and evil. And you will see that the world functions this way. It functions on the basis of what is right and what is wrong, what is good and what is evil. You learn this from when you are born and you begin to live in the world. You always have to do that which is right. You'll get rewarded. You'll get blessed. If you do the right thing, if you do that which is good, that's the message of the world. There is another way of life in Christ Jesus that I want to tell you about. And I will continue in the next program. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net